Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Talking Tourism. I'm your host, Rachel Williams. I'm really excited to be bringing you the latest episode in this series, which is brought to you by the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania, which is the authority and leader in all things tourism in Tasmania. Today, very excited to be joined by our special guest, the inaugural CEO of Brand Tasmania, Todd Babiak. Welcome. Thank you. Now, I'm looking at across the room from you and you've got a nice little badge on your lapel that says Tasmanian. Should I be worried that you need to to have that there to to say that you're Tasmanian? Or are you saying that you are now fully-fledged Tasmanian having come here from Canada? What we've been working on is uh, maybe being Tasmanian isn't so much ethnicity and where you were born. Maybe it's something you can aspire to. We've worked on uncovering a story that maybe you want to be a part of. So there's some values in there, uh, whether you want to be Tasmanian for a weekend or to taste it when you live somewhere else, or maybe you want to come and study here, maybe you want to invest here or live your whole life here. If you're a doctor or a nurse or an entrepreneur, or whoever you are, you want to be a part of it. So we put the N on Tasmania mostly because in our research with Tasmanians, they have a really sophisticated understanding of what it means to be Tasmanian, no matter who they were. We always jumped on them and say, what do you mean by that? And uh, we, were, we were moved by the answer. And so we thought, let's make it really simple. We don't need a new logo. Let's just put an N on the end of Tasmania. And so gone are the days of having to be here for a, a long, long time before you could actually truly be classified as a Tasmanian then. Like I said, it's aspirational. Someday, maybe I'll be Tasmanian. The only person in my, in my family who's a Tasmanian is our dog. The other's... Yeah, maybe it's 18 years, 20 years, or maybe there's maybe there's a ritual we can come up with to uh, to hurry up the process. I'm not sure. So let's learn a little bit more about Todd Babiak. Obviously, really amazing role to come into being the CEO of the new statutory authority, which is Brand Tasmania. That must have been a, a wonderful um, acknowledgement of your achievements historically to be given that role. I'd been working in place branding for about 10 years in economic development and mostly traveling. I was part of a company based in Canada and we would do this work uh, first in Canada and then it ended up being around the world. And happily, I would do these interviews. We'd come up with a story and a strategy for each place and I really enjoyed the work. I loved it. And then we would hand our results to our client. Maybe they'd keep us around a little while to help them implement it, but then we'd ultimately go away. And as much as that's nice, you, you never get to live with it to actually properly implement it yourself. So after working in Tasmania for 12 weeks in total over a couple of years, when they were starting the organization that our, that our research helped birth, I suppose, the notion of coming and helping start it was really compelling. And I was convinced by the story I heard from Tasmanians and my family was up for the adventure. And so you've come from Canada. Yeah. What, what got you into the love of, of tourism and, and travel, I suppose, in the first place? Most of our early clients ended up being in the travel and tourism sector because it's just so competitive and everyone says the same thing. It's really difficult to tap into culture, what it means to be Tasmanian, and then to turn that in, in a sense into a, into a brand, a cultural 
brand, we would do that uh, work all over the place. And in the end, what we really like to do is how do we tie that then into the rest of our economy and society and culture so that trade and workforce attraction and investment attraction, student attraction, and then community development are, are all aligned around that central story. Tourism is usually um, almost always the, the megaphone. They're the ones who have the budget and the means to tell the story, but can it then plug into the larger story of the place so that uh, we have partners or ambassadors across, in this case, Tasmania, who understand deeply what it means to be Tasmanian and know what to do about it. So speaking of story writing, we will get back into that place branding um, in a moment, but you're actually a novelist and a writer. Tell us a bit about your background in in that perspective. It's um, my hobby. I get up early in the mornings and work on these novels to keep myself sane, I suppose. It's a, it's a really nice thing to do. It's something to think about when you have a career doing something else, to to switch off and to imagine other places and empathize yourself into another human being. It's It's been really fun for me to, to do that for a while. And did I read somewhere that you're actually working on a product that's going to be turned into a TV series? Yeah, well, a play and then, yeah, it's been... All of the books have been optioned. Most things that get optioned don't get turned into a TV series. This one might. I hope I have high hopes for it if COVID ever allows people to shoot movies and TV shows again. And will it be in Tasmania, do you think? No, it's set. It no, will be in Canada? It's set in Canada, this one, yeah. Okay. So Tasmania then, it's now your home. You've, you've relocated your wife and children That's right. here. Yeah. Your role with Brand Tasmania obviously is to enhance the brand of Tasmania, but I've read somewhere that you called place branding mission impossible. What do you mean by that? Well, 520,000 people live in Tasmania. If you're a small company and you have a brand, it's really easy from a top-down point of view to get consistency and to get people to follow the rules. Here's our brand. Here are the words you say. Here's how you wear the t-shirt. Here's what you do every day. It's a little bit command and control, which which might work in an authoritarian place, but we're a messy democracy here. So it's impossible to really align efforts around a place brand or a cultural brand. We can't tell everyone in the tourism industry, for example, to do things the same way or to make people feel the same way using their uniqueness in some fashion. What we can do ultimately is try to be a bit of a client service organization working from the bottom up to try to help people. We have this public asset in the story we heard from Tasmanians. We want to help you implement it rather than forcing you to follow these rules. So we don't want to be brand police. We want to go the other direction. But ultimately, you'll never get a perfect alignment in the work we're doing. So there's a playful aspect in saying it's mission impossible. But there are lots of frustrations in the work because you, of course, want everyone to just do it. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's messy and fun. And uh, I think over, I'm supposed to be doing this for five years or so, maybe maybe longer, but I'd like to look back and say we, we moved it in a certain direction and uh, economically, socially, culturally, Tasmania is more Tasmanian than ever. So I suppose historically Tasmania did capitalise on its, you know, inverted commas, uh, clean green image um, and those sorts of keywords. But now from from what I can understand, contemporary brand um, place branding rather is all about those feelings and communities and emotions and that sort of language. Is that hard for people to buy into, do you think, from the, you know, the average tourism operator across the state to understand what that means? 
I think it is. The, the usual way to approach this, as you say, is you have your slogan, we'll all say it. The problem with something like Clean and Green is about 160 places around the world say it makes them absolutely unique, including other Australian states, including Australia itself and New Zealand. So it's busy, busy space to say, well, what makes us absolutely different is that we're clean and green. What no one can take from Tasmania or from these individual operators is who they are, why they do what they do, and what feels absolutely unique about the space and the experience they're offering, uh, where they came from, uh, why they like to invite people into it, how they might make them feel Tasmanian for a week or a weekend. And that is, I think, a little bit harder. It's, it's harder work. The great thing is almost all of us, if we, if we push down into our deep humanness, we understand what storytelling is all about. We understand how to invite people into, into what, what moves us and why we do what we do. And you can leave that experience feeling like, you know, I couldn't have had that weekend any other place, just in that corner of Tasmania. And I'll, I'll think about it forever versus uh, the usual way to approach this, which is kind of a big corporate way to approach anything. You just want to get numbers in and they're going to go through the motions and they're going to leave and they'll have, maybe they'll have a relaxing experience. Maybe they'll see everything and they'll take all the selfies they have to take. <laughs> They've ticked all the boxes and then they go home. So there's kind of a regimented, uh, almost... Um, dehumanizing aspect of travel uh, out there that we've all experienced. And I'd, I'd really like to see us in Tasmania think a bit differently. And I think it's, it's already what we do. We're not inventing a new brand here. We just listen to people say what they think is different about Tasmania. And Tasmania is more human. Uh, there is an opportunity here to feel in a world that is loud and messy, that there's a, there's a quietness and a, and a meaningful opportunity for us all as as humans to feel more human in Tasmania. And would it be fair to say, though, that some people are perhaps, I don't know if humble is the right word, but sometimes they don't have the capacity to sell their story adequately and it becomes a competition of who can sell their story in the best format? Well, that's right. I think people are intimidated by the word brand and often even by the word story, even though it's, it's essential. It's why we're, our brains are wired for narrative. So what we're trying to do is, is to encourage people just to use simple language uh, to answer a few questions. So we actually have a digital tool so you can go in and, and we ask you six questions. We just want you to answer them. And ultimately, that is your story. That's the plot. You can play with it, of course, but can you in 200 words just come up with it? And then you just practice it and you, you tell it to your kids. And if they're moved, something's working because kids are hard to, you know, it's hard kids to hold the kids' attention. It's very hard to impress. So, <laughs> And you're, and you're right. I think the usual way to approach this is to spend a lot of money and to push, 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 push your message out there. And the louder places do tend to win. What we found here is we can't fake that. We can't force Tasmanians to be boastful. They don't want to be. So our strategy is around being as specific as we can be, culturally specific, broadly in Tasmania, and then specific individual by individual, operator by operator, business by business, artist by artist, if everyone can tell their own story and then wrap it in the Tasmanian story, that's when you start to get that consistency and power around a place and its brand. And, and then you find your audience because we know that Tasmania is not for everyone and we have to accept that, find our people, invite them in as Tasmanian a way as possible. And you mentioned the six questions. Are they the basic who, what, when, where, why and how? Or what are the questions that you really need people to answer to be able to effectively tell their story? 
what's the problem you feel born to solve? What, what moves you most? What's the passion deepest inside you? That's really what we're after. And so if you, if you think about obstacles you had to overcome, we want that. You want tension. You want, a story has to turn. So it's usually a story is about human choice and, uh, and change. What, what did you change? Or what changed within you in order to make this possible? And then in the sense of tourism, how can you change people in, in that way? And the Bill Lark story was, I, I, have a, I have a dream, I have a passion, I want to do something. Everyone told me it was impossible. Everyone told me why I shouldn't do it. Uh, it was really difficult to do it, but that difficulty made it possible. And the Tasmanian environment and resources made it possible too. But fundamentally, there's something about being in Tasmania that uh, product by product, business by business, artist by artist, we start to see that there's a way to tell that story and the structure is almost like the Cinderella story. It's the easiest story to tell in Tasmania. It's one we heard again and again. So we're breaking that structure down and we're helping people tell their story in that structure. Though, of course, if you're born into wealth and privilege and everything's been easy, that's okay too. (laughs) If only. Um, Let's speak a bit about change. Obviously, COVID has encouraged or demanded that everyone change in some way, shape or form this year. What do you think Tasmania's brand will be um, in a post-COVID world moving forward? Are we going to be seen differently? I don't think so. I think what we have an opportunity to do is to make the brand even more consistent through our experiences. What's going to be really hard in tourism around the world is the volume of visitors might change. And I think we'll have to be cleverer and cleverer about finding who are our people, how do we invite them, what do they want, and what do we want from them? What does this community want from tourism in general and from the people who visit? So I think one of the things we have to do uh, as, as Tasmanians is start to ease each other into perhaps this more artisanal, premium, boutique, bespoke box. If you're doing something now, how can you make it frankly, more special, because volume might not be as easy as it once was. Uh, So yield will be. And so if you're creating something, how can you make it more unique, more Tasmanian, different? Uh, And I think visitors will be probably spending their money in in a more careful way into the future. And I'm just guessing, I'm just looking at data that I saw and people who just actually went to Europe over the summer, uh, they were more discerning than ever. And they wanted to feel, I did something truly meaningful in this place I went. And I think if we, if we keep that in mind as we're evolving our companies and our tourism products, it takes us a lot closer to where I think the Tasmanian brand is going. And uh, wrapping that in the broader story and in our renewable energy opportunity is something that I think we can work on. And I want to talk more about that renewable energy side of things as well. But just before then, we've obviously got people who are really good leaders in the space of regenerative tourism who are selling that story. We've got people selling the agri-tourism story and how we can enhance those really, as you say, boutique and artisanal offerings. Where do you see that renewable energy side fitting in to all of that? There's an opportunity quickly to say, no matter what you're creating here, if we can, we're working on a certification scheme. So we can say no matter what you're building or creating here, you're building and creating it with Tasmanian renewable, certified Tasmanian renewable energy. That's something we can do in, in the short term. More in the long term, how can we create some these offset products so that 
the Tasmanian tourism industry can be climate or carbon positive in a certain number of years? Those are, that's a big question. Climate bonds is a way to pay for some of this. But the most important thing is for us to own it culturally. Being renewable is not about electricity. It's about the way we live our lives, the choices we make. And so if we, uh, children in their schools, businesses, communities, artists, whoever it is, if you're building and creating something, what are some small things you can do to be more renewable? Ultimately, we want to, the word Tasmanian to be synonymous with renewable. And so when people choose Tasmania, they're choosing that, that different place. And this is really using our wilderness and environmental heritage, uh, decisions we've made, hard ones as a community, even with lots of tension and fighting, in order to go, order to go in one direction instead of another direction. Uh, whole industries have changed here because of this. We're just going in a direction we were already going. And now, as we are on the verge of 100% net self-sufficient renewable, uh, just with, like, with just our energy system, how can we make that cultural and not just uh, about large infrastructure and electricity? And an example of that is Meander Valley. They are, they're working on a way for, for themselves to save six figures a year in food waste disposal by giving every rate payer a worm farm. That's just a small thing we can own potentially in communities in Tasmania. And that's Meander Valley. Bernie might have a different answer. Hobart might have a different answer. Launceston as well. What we want to do is make it as easy as possible for people to get involved in something like that and to make Tasmania more renewable. And that might be family by family, business by business, but it's all possible. And there are some bigger things we can go after plastics. Uh, there, are, there are some things we can do around um, decarbonizing our, elect- our transportation network quickly. And the rest of the world is going to need to figure out how to do this too. So if Europe and North America, are, how are they going to decarbonize their transportation networks? Maybe they want to invest in Tasmania and try some things and pilot some things here that they can scale in their markets. And there may be some economic incentives for them to do that here. So we're exploring a lot of that. So let's talk about that economy side of things, because obviously that's an amazing figure that Meander Valley are potentially going to save with that investment in worm farms. But the cynic might say, well, there's going to be a cost of becoming renewable. But I'm assuming that there are figures that suggest that it's, it, it pays dividends quite quickly. Well, it, it does now. And certainly it can pay brand dividends, what we would hope, and this is certainly beyond Tasmania, but it's an opportunity for Tasmania as one of the only jurisdictions in the world that will be 100% net self-sufficient renewable, is soon a lot of companies are going to have to figure out how to take carbon off their balance sheets. And large organizations, whether it's Qantas or Delta Airlines or Royal Dutch Shell or BP, or even whole countries like China, Japan, uh, are going to, are, New Zealand are saying we're going to be, even Australia, we're going to be net zero by 2050. And almost none of them have a path to get there. Uh, it's a nice thing to say, we're all going to be out of office or uh, we're not going to be the CEO when that's all done in 2050. But what we can do here in Tasmania is start to join a group around the world of people who want to package up urgent action, create some financial incentives and opportunities so that people get involved in this. And so if Royal Dutch Shell, if they want to get to 2050, maybe they invest in something in Tasmania. Maybe they invest in decarbonizing the transportation network in Tasmania. And maybe they can certify that effort as, as an offset for themselves. Currently, you can't necessarily do that, but we're going to see, I think, in 2021, a resetting of the carbon market, which will allow people to be more creative and can incentivize urgent action because right now we're probably going to be pushing the status quo down the road for another five or 10 years. So we need to do something different. 
So as the statutory authority of Brand Tasmania, are you, do you find you've got the, the ear of government that they can help facilitate these ideas that you've got on the table and, and wanting to promote? We certainly have the ear of government. Uh, we do would you hope... have the checkbook of government? No, we don't have the checkbook <laughs> of government. That's why the, the nice thing for us is uh, we're a small organisation with a small budget and constraint is good. I would almost, looking back, I was probably brokenhearted when I first got here and realised I didn't have the budget we thought we did. But it's been great because we've realized, all right, we can't do anything without partners. We would need several partners to achieve anything. And that's been really good for us because ultimately, for us to succeed, it's about unified action. If in order to do anything, we need three or four partners just to pay for it, uh, just to get something off the ground, ultimately, that is not only more successful, uh, it's more enduring. And we can actually come up with ideas and projects and then hand them off, let someone else own them. Brand Tasmania, the organization, capital B, capital T, I don't really care about us getting noticed or kudos for doing anything. If we help launch things in Tasmania that bring the Tasmanian brand to life, this public asset that all Tasmanians own, then I'll be very proud. So looking at that, not a large budget, but being able to achieve a huge amount of things, that can sort of be drilled down to the lower, not lower end, but the the smaller end of the tourism area where small businesses perhaps would say they don't have money, but if they do join forces, as you're saying, that there's that capacity in in building a, a strong community? Yeah, and that taps into what we were talking about earlier with the Tasmanian brand. Almost everyone would say we operate under those financial constraints here, and that can either lead to invention and cleverness at our best, or it can lead to uh, grievance. And I think in our research with Tasmanians, they're so proud of how organizations that have said, all right, we know we're not going to be the richest. We know it's going to be harder here because we can't walk out the door and have a 5 million metro population to sell our wares to. Whatever it is we're doing in this isolated special place, we have to work harder to do it. And I think the outcomes are better. So if we just recognize uh, constraint is good, uh, we have to be smarter here. We can't rely on more money. We can't rely on being richer. You can come up with something that I think is more special and more meaningful. And uh, maybe that's a way for me to justify my existence uh, or my budget, but it's been good for us. Uh, it's been harder, but it's been better. How many badges, as I mentioned at the start, you've got your Tasmanian badge and your lapel. Should we all be walking around with those, do you think, around Salamanca and, and Longsistant? Of course. And all you have to do to get a Tasmanian badge is become a Tasmanian partner. And you can do that at tasmanian.com.au. Not that I'm here to sell anything. No, I would have loved that back in my school days when it was my desire to have the most badges on my blazer right at on. school. That would have fit in perfectly. Oh, that's a new market for us. We, we need the kids to sign up as partners. That's right. Good. And that is obviously, they're such an amazing new generation, aren't they? They are just so switched on and really re- ready to adapt to this new modern world, aren't they? Well, one of our most important projects is around youth enterprise, making sure that we, we wanted from the beginning to bring this story, this brand into the lives of young people. And we found since we know this small boutique artisanal economy is only going to grow in Tasmania, how do we bring it into the school system so the young people feel they can do it too? They are passionate about something. They're all different, but what can they do with it? So can every kid in Tasmania graduate perhaps year 10 or year 12 with the knowledge and the passion to create something out of that, whether it's in the arts, in business, or in social ventures. They understand some marketing principles. They can do some product design. They know how to build a team. They understand a bit about finance. Uh, They just feel like they belong and they can be Tasmanian. Whether they stay here or take that Tasmanian thinking to the world, it doesn't matter. 
we've created a cohort of young people who have that sense of pride and quiet confidence that is deeply Tasmanian. And uh, Tasmanian for yourself and your family? You're, you're here for the long haul? I think so. I don't have plans to go anywhere else. The, my kids really like it. And certainly when we're thinking about projects for young people, I can use the lens of being a dad. Uh, this is what I want them to, to grow up feeling. And having them grow up inside Tasmanian culture, to me, was an easy decision. And in our interviews with Tasmanians, they did talk about their chief anxiety was about young people, uh, high school completion rates and, and literacy so spending a lot of energy and time on that is important to us. We had a session a couple of weeks ago with folks from, from the education department of, of the Tasmanian government, from tourism, from the small business sector, from peak bodies, looking at how do we bring these, these Tasmanian problems and case studies into the school system so that young people here do, do graduate with that, uh, with that knowledge, that confidence, and that passion uh, for, for these small enterprises, we're calling it youth enterprise here. So that is, that is something that isn't hard to get people's attention around. It does feel right. It feels like it's culturally specific, I guess. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Todd. I've appreciated uh, your time speaking with us about Brand Tasmania and, and the part that we can all play in, in being Tasmanian and selling that story to the world. Thanks for your good questions. <laughs> that was Todd Babiak, the CEO, the inaugural CEO of Brand Tasmania. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. My name's Rachel Williams. As always, we look forward to your company in ongoing podcast editions, which are brought to you by the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak body for tourism in Tasmania. And you can find all of the back editions and future editions of Talking Tourism on the website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye for now. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.